0: section 9 of the rover volume 1 number 22 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the rover volume 1 number 22 edited by Seba smith and laurence Labrie section nine t'other end of the gun change for american notes harpers sam slick in england william h collier these two very clever pamphlets ought to have been published by the same house and bound up together either of them being a capital commentary upon and compliment to the other it is really curious to observe how nearly the broad humour of judge Alliburton and the biting wit of the american lady are exercised upon the same points of english peculiarity and how in the main the colonial high tory and the spirited republican woman arrive at the same results in their views of life in england the dreary monotony of manners the melancholy homage to wealth the utter absence of nature and elasticity with the almost universal prevalence of sullen prejudice and absurd cant excite equally the caustic merriment of both of the these cis-atlantics while both at the same time do ample justice to the industry the energy and manifold virtuous though homely traits of these brave mechanical whimsical and world formidable islanders john bull who holds such an ishmaelitish pen against all other nations of course makes many wry faces at having the chalice commended to his own lips which he is so often drugged for others and mr slick with his female accomplice in mixing the posset must not expect to come off more easily than did general Pillot, prince puckler Muscow, baron de houses slidell mackenzie fenimore cooper and others who called out the most rabid fury against them in england for the home truths they ventured to tell it is really remarkable that a great and powerful nation should be so sensitive when strangers for their own good point out those unhappy defects in their manners which make the english so unpopular all over christendom while at the same time the whole world with one consent unite in doing justice to their brilliant and extraordinary career as a nation their insular position and their exclusion from social intercourse with the rest of europe during the wars of napoleon must account for much of this childish feeling a feeling indeed which even the incessant contact of our countrymen with foreigners from every clime has not prevented them from partially sharing though the incessant wave of immigration which dashes on these favorite shores polishes away our corners and makes us more completely citizens of the world we subjoin some extracts from these racy volumes it is rather hard talkin that said he i like its patronizing tone there's somethin goodish in a colonist patronizing a britisher it's turnin the tables on em it's sarvin em out in their own way lord i think i see old bull put his eye glass up and look at you with a dead aim and hear him say come this is cuttin it rather fat or as the feller said to his second wife when she tapped him on the shoulder marm my first wife was a percy and she never presumed to take that liberty yes that's good squire go it my sure-tails you'll win if you git in fust see if you don't patronizin' a britisher a critter that has lucifer's pride arkwright's wealth in bedlam's sense ain't it rich sam's opinion of dickens what is the temper he replied with much warmth that they visit us in Cussum. look at dickens was there ever a man made so much of except lafayette and who was dickens not a frenchman that is a friend to us not a native that has a claim on us not a colonist who though english by name is still an american by birth six of one and half a dozen of t'other and therefore a kind of half-breed brother no he was a cussed britisher and what is was a british author and yet because he was a genius because genius has the tarnal globe for its theme and the world for its home and mankind for its readers and being a citizen of this state or that state a native of the universe why we welcomed him and feasted him and levied him and escorted him and cheered him and honoured him did he honour us what did he say of us when he returned read his book no don't read his book for it ain't worth readin has he said one word of all that reception in his book that book that will be read translated and read again all over europe has he said one word of that reception answer me that will you Darn the word his memory was bad he lost it over the taffrail when he was seasick but his notebook was safe under lock and key and the pigs in new york and the chap the rats eat in jail and the rough man from kentucky and the entire raft of gals imprisoned in one night and the spittin boxes and all that stuff weren't trusted to memory it was noted down and printed english civility there's plenty of civility here in england if you pay for it you can buy as much in five minutes as will make you sick for a week but if you don't pay for it you not only won't get it but you get sars instead of it that is if you are fool enough to stand and have it rubbed in they are as cold as presbyterian charity and mean enough to put the sun in eclipse or the english they hain't set up the brazen image here to worship but they've got a gold one and that they do adore and no mistake it's all pay 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 parquisite 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 extortion 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 there is a whole pack of yuppin devils to your heels here for everlastingly a cringin fawnin and coaxin or snarlin grumlin or bullyin you out of your money there's the boatman and the tide-waiter and porter and customer and truckman as soon as you land and the servant man and the chamber gal and boots and porter again to the inn and then on the road there is a trunk-lifter and a coachman and guard and beggar-man and a critter that opens the coach-door that they calls a water-man cause he is infernal dirty and never sees water they are just like a snarl o snakes their name is legion and there ain't no eend to em the only thing you get for nothing here is rain and smoke the remotis and scorny airs if you could buy an englishman at what he was worth and sell him at his own valuation he would realize as much as a nigger and would be worth tradin in that's a fact but as he ain't worth nothin there's no market for such critters. no one would buy him at no price a scotsman is wuss for he is prouder and meaner pat ain't no better another, he ain't proud cause he has a hole in his breeches and another in his elbow and he thinks pride won't patch him and he ain't mean cause he ye hate got nothin to be mean with whether it takes nine tailors to make a man i can't exactly say but this i will say and take my davy of it too that it would take three such gonies to make a pattern for one of our real genuine free and enlightened citizens and then i wouldn't swap without large boot i tell you guess i'll go and pack up my fixins and have em ready to land the nelson monument there he is as big as life five feet nothin with his shoes on now examine that monument and tell me if the english don't know how to brag as well as some other folks and whether they don't brag to some times when they hain't got no right to there's four figures there representin the four quarters of the globe in chains and among them america a crouchin down and a beggin for life like a mean injun well just do the civil now and tell me when that little braggin feller ever whipped us will you Just tell me the day of the year when he was ever able to do it since his mammy cut the apron-string and let him run to seek his fortin heavens and arth we'd a chawed him right up no there never was an officer among you that had anything to brag of about us but one and he warn't a britisher he was a despisable blue-nosed colonist boy of halifax when his captain was took below, wounded, he was lieutenant, so he just ups and takes command of the shannon and fit like a tiger and took our splendid frigate Chesapeake, and that was something to brag on. And what did he get for it? Why colony SARS have pay and leave to make room for Englishers to go over his head? And here is a lion false monument erected to this man that never even seed one of our national ships much less smelt thunder and lightning out of one that english light has got this for what he didn't do nature you're in the wrong pew here squire said he you are upon my soul if you think to sketch the english in a way any one will stop to look at you have missed a figure that's all you can't do it Nohow, how you can fix it there's no contrast here nor variations of colours no light and shade no nothing what sort of a picture would straight lines of anything make take a parcel of sodgers officers and all and stetch em out in a row and paint em and then engrave em and put it into one of our annuals and see how folks would larf and ask what boardin school gal did that who pulled her out of standin corn and sod her up on for an artist they'd say there is much of elegance and more of comfort in england it is a great and good country mr poker but there is no nature in it it is true as gospel i'm telling you no lie it's a fact if you expect to paint them english as you have the blue noses and us you'll pull your line up without a fish oftener than you are a thinkin on that's the reason all our folks have failed russia's book is just molasses and water not quite so sweet as lasses and not quite so good as water but a spilling of both and why his picture was of polished life where there is no nature washington irving's book is like a dutch painting it is good because it is faithful the mop has the right number of yarns and each yarn has the right number of twists although he mistook the mop of the grandfather for the mop of the man of the present day and the pewter plates are on the kitchen dresser and the other little notions are all there he has done the most that could be done for them but the painter deserves more praise than the subject why is it every man's sketch of america takes do you suppose it is the sketches no do you reckon it is the interest we create no is it our grand experiments no they don't care a brass button for us or our country or experiments nother what is it then it is because they are sketches of nature nature in every grade and every variety of form from the silver plate and fork to the finger and hunt and knife our artificial britishers laugh at that they are bad copies that's a fact i give them up let them laugh and be darned but i stick to my nature and i stump them to produce the like they are considerable large print are the bull family said he you can read them by moonlight indeed their faces ain't on like the moon in a genial way only one has got a man in it and the other ha'n't always it ha'n't a bright face you can look into it without winkin it's a cloudy one here too especially in november and most all the time makes you rather sad and solemn collie yes john is a moony man that's a fact and at the full a little queer sometimes england is a stupid country compared to arnd there is no variety where there is no nature you have class variety here but no individuality they are insipid and call it perlite the men dress alike talk alike and look as much alike as providence will let em the club-houses and the tailors have done a good deal toward this and so has whiggism and dissent for they have destroyed distinctions but this is too deep for me ask minister he will tell you the cause i only tell you the fact dining out here is both heavy work and light feeding it's monstrous stupid one dinner like one rainy day it's rained ever since i've been here's Almost it is like another one drawn room like another drawn room one peer's entertainment in a general way is like another peer's the same powdered liveried lazy idle good-for-nothing little, stand in the way of each other useless sarvants same pictures same plates, same fixin's same don't know what to do with yourself kinder a lookin master great folks are like great folks marchins like marchins and so on it's a picture it looks like life but it tain't the animal is tamed here he is fatter than the wild one but he ha'n't the spirit stray touches lord how extremes meet sometimes as minister says here now fashion is the top of the pot and that pot hangs on the highest hook on the crane in america nature can't go farther it's the royal thing look at the womankind now an injun gal down south goes most naked well a splendiferous company gal here when she is full dressed is only half covered and neither of em attract you one mite or morsel we dine at two and sup at seven here they lunch at two and dine at seven the words are different but they are identical the same oh of course it isn't true he said and every englishman will swear it's a falsehood, but you must not expect us to disbelieve it nevertheless for your travellers who come to america pick up here and there some absurd untruth or another or if they are all picked up already invent one and although every man woman and child is ready to take their bible oaths it is a bam yet the english believe this one false witness in preference to the whole nation i ain't a vain man and never was you know squire i ha'n't a muscle of it in my composition no if you were to look at me with a ship's glass you wouldn't see a grease spot of it in me i don't think any of us yankees is vain people it's a thing don't grow in our diggins we have too much sense in a general way for that indeed if we wanted any we couldn't get none for love nor money for john bull has a monopoly of it he won't open the trade it's a home market he looks to and the best of it is he thinks he ha'n't none to spare the racy character of judge halliburton's last and best work is sufficiently shown by the above extracts we hope it is a pardonable egotism to record how much we have been both pleased and pained to observe how often the scene of his best stories told in illustration of his theme is laid in maine we were pleased at this unconscious acknowledgment of the original jack downing source whence the first-fruit of these admirable and deservedly popular writings was drawn and pained that our own careless thunder was more completely lost to us than ever when fashioned into full-form bolts by a hand so capable to wield them yet such is often the fate of the literature his mind like the stream which unconsciously runs over the golden mine disengages at times the rich ore below and bears it careless onward till it meets some more fortunate eye, some more favoured hand some really gifted mortal who has both the leisure to trace and the skill to work the wealth bestowing vain which another has disclosed to him but it is time for us to turn to the change for american notes which will be found to ring almost as hard as the general's coin which our friend mr slick scatters so profusely we may observe before leaving the subject that we are perfectly aware that some who may peruse this article will lift up their hands in holy horror at the extracts we have already made and those we are about to begin exclaiming the while against what in lady-like phrase is called the bad taste of the spirit of reconciliation reconciliation quotha we reject the phrase does the bedouin reconciliate with the assassin who thrusts a knife into his vitals even while partaking of his salt? how bitter how persecutingly bitter and unsparing has been the obloquy of this people the beat of whose writers knew only to enter our houses to sit at our board to drink of our cup to be feasted and fostered by us like our brethren only to return home and hold us up to the scorn and contempt of the rest of the civilized world yes but we should pass over these things with the disdain that becomes a great people out upon such wretched cant is disdain then the fitting punishment for crime for crime we say and say it unhesitatingly for next to that wickedness which robs the soul of its belief in a hereafter is the social outrage upon feeling which teaches the heart that hospitality to the stranger is a weakness that we must doubt the honesty of our fellow-man who comes to us from a foreign shore and open our doors to him at the peril of our character english and american manners the english contend that there is not in the united states a refinement of manners equal to their own there may not be the parade of it the english bow and walk differently they say more gracefully they simper and small talk more and though they may flatter ladies more they do not prize them so much while the treatment of our sex is the best touchstone of real refinement and civilization, i cannot conceive anything more absurd or bolder in its absurdity than for travellers to assert while they admitted the irreproachable character of american ladies that they exercised little influence upon society as well say there was much sunshine in the state of georgia but it had little effect upon the produce of the earth i confess i have very considerable doubts of this refinement of manners in english gentlemen and for this plain reason it is not rooted in them it is not manifested when they are not under conventional restraint they must be polite and forbearing in ladies society but see the same gentlemen strolling along the fashionable streets and which of them will refrain from staring audaciously at every stranger lady he meets no matter who she may be did any one of the ladies of queen victoria's court venture to walk out unattended she would be subjected to this vulgar persecution this is one reason why the use of carriages of all kinds is so very frequent ladies cannot walk forth alone i have heard it stated oh these are chiefly the manners of young gentlemen they may learn better as they grow older is it not rather a novelty to advance youth as an excuse for arrogant impropriety where an american gentleman would quietly step aside to allow a lady of any condition in life to pass without annoyance an english gentleman will loiter to stare pertinaciously and to his full satisfaction her dissatisfaction is nothing cared about which is the best mannered to say that they are not english gentlemen who act thus is equivalent to saying there is hardly an english gentleman in the streets of london even in the streets where from the number of club-houses or other causes they most do congregate drawing-room manners seem to be accounted all-sufficient for a london gentleman he is emancipated from the thraldom when he exchanges the wax-light for the open air another doctrine if i may call it so passes for orthodox that a royal court and a titled aristocracy tend to the refinement of all classes down to the lowest that their refinement influences all manner of men this i think is one of the many dogmas here whose right suits not in native colours with the truth at any rate there seems but the horn of a dilemma for those who have faith in this english credence the lowest classes in this kingdom are coarse brutal and stupid beyond those of the united states so that either it is not in the nature of things that this vaunted refinement should duly reach the poorest plebeians or more probably that it exists not in vigour enough to do so i think therefore that this much extolled attribute of british aristocracy is but conventional gentility a mere surface of elegance because consistent refinement is not shown in the gentlemen's manners while their favourite place of amusement is often remarkable for the opposite of true refinement it yields but a vulgar joy meddlesome disposition of the fondness of the english for foreign grievances one should not speak too severely it may be but the sort of feeling honest rip van winkle had for rip was fond of attending to anybody's business rather than his own to be sure one cannot but wonder that so little is thought of the cry throughout the kingdom for more churches schools and hospitals and so much of the wants of rather dubious people who dwell or roam by the nile or niger it may be thought strange i say that they who wish to instruct the natives of nubia may not care to teach the dwellers in lancashire but it may be contended also that nubia is or should be the better for them and lancashire can be none the worse the americans have their foreign schools and missions but they care and amply for home instruction first i would not be thought anxious to censure too freely the sometimes rather theatrical displays of exeter hall touching these foreign matters mr n accounts for them by saying that there is here so with us a large class of young ladies who conscientiously abjure as sinful the pleasures of the ball-room or the theatre and as it really appears a necessity of our nature to have some enjoyment or excitement exeter hall serves occasionally for an assembly-room and a stage we must not searchingly inquire what's in a name love of country i do not think that abstract love of country flourishes in england and it may be true that were any great demand made upon the virtue the patriotism the self-denial of the people the utmost danger to the state might be apprehended for instead of these qualities there might be found in the ranks of the prosperous the curse of prosperity heartlessness in the mass of the middle classes deep-rooted and most robust selfishness and in the poor ignorance and its constant comrade recklessness but this is to put a very extreme case cleanliness there is nothing in london at all comparable to the croton Aqueduct the london waterworks are no doubt very surprising but there is nothing to be seen the water slinks into the city as it were in a surreptitious manner public fountains are almost unknown the few there are being so paltry that a frenchman pitied the water degraded to their use he was probably fresh from versailles in some districts there are complaints of the badness of the water that it is unfit for any purposes but those of cooking or washing this might have been remedied long ago did not so many believe that water could be wanted for no other purposes gumption i was once remarking how free england was from destructive beasts yes said a lady present and england is free from another thing slaves at least thought i for i very rarely argue unless by post they do not call them by that name in this country i have heard silly remarks about slavery from london ladies and on both sides of the question mrs trollope fit of unaccustomed candour has penned this passage i have listened to much dull and heavy conversation in america but rarely to any that i could strictly call silly if i except the everywhere privileged class of very young ladies it is true the novelist labours hard afterward by narrating foolish talk to prove the reverse of her own assertion still she ought to have all honour for this admission whether made through faultlessness or inadvertency or not i cannot conscientiously say so much of english conversations even with the exception made i was asked the other day by mrs blank a lady of what mrs t would call high standing if the united states were as well-witted as england her two eldest daughters she added had a little debate on the subject and as the younger children's governess was absent she could not be referred to repudiation i have heard of one of those schoolmasters who did not expose his scholars or rather the boys committed to his care for there was small scholarship in the case to any ill that flesh may be heir to from overfeeding but nevertheless attributed all their ailments bodily or mental to their gluttony colds or fevers dullness or impudence it still was gluttony one day a poor boy broke his leg out of doors and was carried to the master "Ay, lad he exclaimed i always told you this a broken leg all owing to your gluttony and so all the evils of england or america are charged by the short-sighted in both countries upon the devoted heads of aristocracy and democracy Gluttons both if we believe such scribes in their appetite for wrong how is the evil to be attributed to these antagonistic causes if it be the same on both sides of the atlantic repudiation for instance the bank of england in the recollection of many not very old people repudiated cash payments and this i heard was by direct order from the government issued on a sabbath day to be sure i also heard this corrected to the lord's day which certainly mends the matter the governor and company of the bank of england promised in very intelligible print to pay a pound or so many pounds on demand for value received when the demand was made how was it complied with not by payment in specie for the acknowledged receipt of value but by another promise to pay on cleaner and uncrumpled paper perhaps this was not exactly what is now called repudiation it seems to me moreover that when the british rulers by an arbitrary act reduced the rate of interest from five to three and a half per cent they repudiated a part of the engagement to which public faith was pledged and this in addition to the refusal to pay in specie i am sorry the rev sydney smith occasion to write his letter on the subject of the non-payment of interest due on the money borrowed from this country by the state of pennsylvania the britannia a pleasant and clever paper generally attributed this repudiation as it is too commonly called to democracy in former years when the interest was regularly paid to what was that to be attributed pennsylvania was as democratic then the ancient monarchies of spain and portugal do not pay their debts principal or interest to this country democracy again i suppose other states of the american union are punctual in their payments are not they democratic geography i told you before how ignorant were very many of the english about america mr wilderton and his family confident in my englishism sometimes sportively turned the conversation to yankee topics when any one is present who does not know i am a native of america the other day a young lady with voice and complexion alike raised told us how she had been reading some missionary tracts and then exclaimed against the cruelties practiced by the american government upon the poor heathen the benighted indians we soon found that she had ingeniously gathered all indians and it is so very vague and general a term into one grand aggregate and imputed the sufferings and wrongs of the natives of Hindostan, australia and north and south america all to our government by what mental process she had arrived at this conclusion i do not know but it appears there is sometimes an ingenuity even in ignorance this young lady was very pious truly so i may not doubt but her piety was too obtrusive too much in the style we heard a negro called talky religion mr wilderton very gently and kindly that she might not be again so preposterous pointed out to her the little mistake into which her deficiency in geographical science had led her when she fervently thanked god her knowledge was not of this world assuredly it is not another young lady thought a country without a king or queen must be so dull all princes are so witty that dulness is unknown within their circle and when she found america had not always been a republic she asked who got the crown jewels the kings must have had in those old times even intelligent persons in england appear to believe that a system of harshness rapacity and injustice is pursued toward the aboriginal indians by the authorities and the people of the united states the contrary i believe to be the case few here appear to know that the amount paid annually by our government to each indian within the territories of the republic is greater than the average amount of all taxes paid to the state by a subject of prussia that is each indian receives more from our government than each prussian pays to his this appears from an estimate prepared from official reports for a prussian periodical another thing appears clear enough to me that the english do not like to be undeceived in their erroneous estimate of american wrongdoings the main boundary question their boundaries are the same one old lady who is prouder of her horses than of her wealth her high birth her fair daughters or her jewels indeed her horses matchless though well matched are the immediate jewels of her soul expressed to me great satisfaction that the boundary question was settled at last for it must have been so unpleasant when travelling to find your coachman trespassing on a wrong or disputed road and having to turn back perhaps so trying to the horses the good lady would find it trying enough to her horses were they on the frontiers of Maine. many of the english are so apt to look upon this boundary dispute as upon a debatable line debatable enough it has been to be sure between two of their own counties or parishes there is so generally a people who travel not out of themselves and judge all matters by their preconceived notions of familiar things if the territory west of the rocky mountains be mentioned they seem to have a vague notion of a transatlantic wales not that the many oracles of this uninformed unlettered class will scruple judgment upon american questions far from it they will even declare they can prove their opinions upon yankee topics to be correct this is rather like what the engravers call a proof before letters one can no more help noticing it ignorance than a person bent on a pleasant pedestrian excursion can avoid being watchful of the weather a lady once expressed to me her commiseration that i was returning to a city so pestered with what think you rats no mosquitoes no alligators love the scandal-monger man accuses english ladies of being inveterate husband-hunters but the same is commonly said of the ladies of other countries though the unique gallantry of the french forms an honourable exception in my opinion any young lady here no matter how plain may readily win an english husband if she can and will adroitly and continuously flatter his self-love he cannot resist such evidence of sound judgment acute observation and power of discourse he lends his pleased ear and then offers his most precious self i can hardly conceive a true wealthy englishman in love but is honestly disinterestedly and passionately an englishman in love was a monumental statue ever in a fever condition of women in no country in the world so wretchedly as in england can a young woman reared so as to be unfitted for domestic service support herself safely or honourably if she have not accomplishments many and showy enough to obtain her the situation of governess i do not know what she can do to earn bread and water the english profess to regret this and see no means of altering it and so pronounce it impossible they make not a single effort to amend the matter and cry impossible impossible an englishman would pronounce it impossible to relieve his starving foster-mother as he was on his way to purchase a pipe of port of some curious vintage to be bottled for the revelry of after years impossible how is it known to be impossible gas-lights and steam-vessels were at first pronounced impossible nay the establishment of christianity itself was declared impossible by the misbelievers the evil-doers the credulous in many gods and goddesses of old impossible how english adjectives are misused love of money i cannot conceive how a man of mr dickens acuteness could be led to think as from the spirit rather than the letter of his work one must conclude he does think that mammon is as much a god in america as in britain the golden calf they worship at boston says he is a pygmy compared with the giant effigy set up in other parts of that vast counting-house which lies beyond the atlantic he might have added and less than a babe pygmy compared with that before which london bows the knee bows the knee it is far more than that it is a prostration of the entire man mammon is the love of the english and to his worship in this his capital campbell's lines may be truly applied here is the empire of his perfect bliss and here he is a god indeed divine the mere possession of unusual and useless money calls forth the adoration of the englishman i am grieved to add too often of the englishwoman even very young ladies will prefer a rich husband be he fool or braggart to an amiable and intelligent one with little more than a competency how often have i heard it said miss so is a fortunate girl she is going to be married to mr So." and he is very rich while her fortune is a small one yes but is he not a passionate quarrelsome sot and more than twice her age all that may be but then thirty thousand pounds there is nothing more to be said egotism you think if the english knew the strictures passed upon them by foreigners by quick-witted frenchmen especially they would be surprised and hurt not a jot, not a jot. they would attribute all blame to envy or malice all praise they would consider becoming but faint and let a general character of an englishman be never so true not one would cry that was levelled at me they smart at satire they amend because of friendly rebuke how little do you know what self-conceit really is many of their own countrymen poets or preachers tell them of their faults full freely and not one becomes less a thing of narrowness or assumption of self the way in which children spell the first personal pronoun is the very motto of a southern briton i by itself i generosity of feeling the english laugh at the americans for being sensitive to satire or as it is sometimes elegantly worded so thin-skinned and if it were so does it not show a kindly filial love of country unknown to the phlegmatic englishman a generous people would respect rather than wish to irritate the patriots feeling which felt wounded when scornful jeer misprized the land he loved so dear but the nationality of the americans the spaniards and the scotch are alike censured by a people who care too much for themselves individually to care for their country or their kind it is a scottish man and a poet who asks breathes there a man with soul so dead who never to himself has said this is my own my native land how the london people who have read the lay must have smiled at the simplicity of the minstrel Conceit, Truly one ought to have a temper as imperturbable as franklin's to hear patiently the absurd remarks the british make upon the united states i could not have believed such ignorance existed it must be that well-informed men are generally less common in this country than at home here are hundreds of thousands with ample means and leisure whose reading is confined to the newspapers but let me correct the broad assertion i ought to have said to certain portions of certain newspapers yet one of this class will deliver his judgment upon america in a manner which shows he considers that what he says is decisive there is or should be no appeal he has spoken self-conceit is more meat and drink to these englishmen than to see a clown was to touchstone they have a vague notion about america and indians and general washington and there being neither king nor lords and the storming of quebec and the burning of the caroline and the loss of the president but as to the vast resources of our country the nature of her laws and institutions of her cities rising amid primeval forests of the capabilities of her rivers and bays of the love of freedom and our children which love men say is the parent of all the best virtues that can adorn a state of these things they know nothing talk to one of these persons about the cotton-grown in the southern states and he will immediately speak of manchester where he has a cousin worth a hundred thousand pounds not dollars mind manufacturer driving a roaring trade roaring enough if the clatter of a thousand wheels can be it. mention one of those matchless prairies in the far west a noble sight though boz was disappointed and my gentleman as soon as he is made to understand what a prairie is turns the conversation to salisbury plain or the moors of scotland rank rose described himself as l'esclave de la liberté and i know one american at least whom the designation suits the frenchman should have said le torrent not l'esclave your thriving englishman is the slave to aristocratic distinctions and sometimes at these charity dinners he is nodded to by his grace perhaps my lord condescends to take wine with him and he at once sees the excellence of having a class privileged because rocked in coroneted cradles and learns to despise the simplicity of a republic i believe however that the real aristocracy in their select circles amuse themselves no little at the expense of these bourgeois gentlehommes as supple where rank is concerned if not as simple as monsieur Jordan. when that worthy worshipper of the great believed that he was marrying his daughter to the son of the grand turk amiability the english rarely open their mouths for any purpose but to eat and drink while they travel i found this the case not only in this short trip but in my journey to the north and elsewhere they are as fond of taciturnity as the americans are of tobacco and for my single self i cannot see the good of either many an american will sit chewing the cud of sweet and bitter fancy with his weed but he never forgets the attentions due to the other sex while an englishman sits wrapped in dismal thinkings forgetful or neglectful of everything but himself and with each breath he draws he seems to inhale gloom thrice distilled but he dispenses with the potent weed, i care not to dwell upon this subject but it really appears that the main discovery which clever men have crossed the atlantic to make and which ladies have carefully recorded in their diaries is that the americans i must use the vernacular spit where i ask a national characteristic of the englishman i should say they sulk i am told the english mean more good intentions more masses of pavement to testify as respectful a regard as the americans if it be so certainly their way of doing it is full of oddness and originality better the yankee inquisitiveness of which travellers complain than utter and contemptuous silence better an embodied inquiry and an animated note of interrogation with a twist in the mind than the surly masculine selfishness i have so often met with here I am inclined to think Englishmen consider their repulsiveness a becoming, and even national attribute, a sort of birthright. Esau's example has not been followed. This personal property is rarely disposed of, but is handed down, intact from father to son. The English appear to regard the petit soin. The attention ladies are taught to expect in society as a tax upon their time and speech, and like a tax they pay it, that is, grudgingly or not, at all if they can help it when do you see gratuitous politeness extended to age when to poverty end of section 9 end of the rover volume 1 number 22 edited by sebastian smith and laurence